Okay, let's get started with this year's Parshas Tetzaveh, Tavshin Ayin Hay, the special night of Zion Adar, that we get to learn Torah on uh, Moshe Rabbeinu's yard site and Moshe Rabbeinu's birthday. We know it was both. Uh, the special schus for uh, Moshe's neshama, so much uh, said about uh, each one of us being a little bit a prototype of Moshe Rabbeinu, but tonight a special special time that we get to learn Torah together. Again, it'll be mostly Tetzaveh. <laughs> we'll have one thought of Purim at the end. I will try to squeeze in a shear at the beginning of next week on Monday um, to, uh, can't skip over Pasha's Kisisa just because it's a busy week, so I will, uh, I will really try to get one in, uh, but Siat uh, HaDashmaya, we'll see how, uh, how the week progresses. Okay, we start off with uh, a very well-known thought from Rav Yisrael Salanter, but uh, it's not so well known that he says it on the first Pasuk of this week's parsha. V'yatah tetzaveh es b'nei Yisrael. You, says Hashem, shall command b'nei Yisrael, v'yichu elech Hashem en zayezach, tell him to take crushed, pure oil, kasis la ma'or, l'ha'aloz ner tamid. We know we have the halachos of the menorah, the halachos of the shemen, that are described here. Al-derach drush, the story that is well known, is quoted in source number one from the Pnini HaTorah from Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. One time, one of the Talmidim came to Rabbi Yisrael Salanter and said, Adoni Arav, Birtsoni Linsoa Germania, Ulahatif Lahem Musur Lachzir Bechuva. I want to go to Germany to be able to inspire them in order that they do Chuva. I need to go and bring them up and be Mashpia. And Amr Lahav Yisrael, Yisrael Salanter says, Vim Rusia Kvargamarta. Well, you're here in Russia. You finished. This country doesn't need you. You have to go over there. Well, what, what about this country? You're right. I take it back. You're right. Okay, let me travel around this country. What in Poland? What about Poland? You're right. You're right, Rebbe Yisrael. Rebbe. And what about our what about this city? Radin? What about this? Well, forget that country, that country. What about the city? What about your family? What about you? What about you? You're worrying about the world. You're worrying about the uh, city. You're worrying about the everything. As Rabbi Yisrael Slanter says, if we want to change the world, we have to first change our country. If we want to change our country, we have to first change our city. City, our family, our family, ourselves. The first step is ourselves, and then we can uh, branch out. First, I have to work on myself. Says, say the Bali Musar, now we can read the Pasik. Alderab Drush, Viata, Kama, Titzaves B'nai Yisrael. You want to be able to change the world? You want to be Mitzavan B'nai Yisrael? First is Viata. First, we have to work on ourselves. First, you work on yourself, Viata, and then. Then you'll be able to tzavez b'nei Yisrael. Then you'll be able to work on the rest of Am Yisrael. Yerashoy letzavos alacherim ulahatif lahem moser. Ukevisha Amar Rabbo Seino lachazal tell us in Bab Metziah and in Sanhedrin kshot atzmacha viacharka kshot acherim based on a pasuk in Tzafania. Okay, that gets us started. Viata kama titzavet. Now let's get into a story that we've quoted in past years, but it's a Talmudic story. It's not an Achron story. It's from the Gemara. And it's really part of three stories. We know the major discussion in this week's Parsha, the first half of the Parsha, are the Big Day Kahuna. The four Begadim of the, every Kohen 
plus the four extra special begadim of the Kohen Gado. And there is one of three stories that are juxtaposed in Shabbos, Lam, and Aleph of the three converts that come to Shammai and that come to Hillel. And one of them has to do with the Pasuk in our Parsha. But our question tonight is going to be, why does the last statement of the story occur when it does? So let's review now. Let's do the stories. Shabbos, Lam, and Aleph has four or five stories related to Hillel about the bet that they took to get Hillel angry. We're not going to do that one now. But we're going to do the three stories, the three converts. Says the Gemara, source number two. Tana Rabbanam, we start with the beginning. The second one is going to be the one, I'm sorry, the third one is going to be the one that's Shaykh to our Parsha. But we'll read the first two as well. Tana Rabbanam, Maisa benachriyachat shabalaf neishamai. There was a non-Jew who came in front of Shammai. Amar lo, how many Torahs are there? How many uh, categories of, of Torah do I have to accept? So he says, Shammai says too, Torah Torah Right, they were both given on Harsinai, but one was the written law, one's the oral law. Amalei says the guy, says the Najub, I am a a uh, visual learner, what I could see, I could deal with, what I can't see, I can't. So I could see the Torah Shebechzav. I could see it, it's written, it's finite, it's in front of me. That I'll take. Torah Shebaalpeh, I, 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 can't, I can't really accept that. So please, Gaireni, Amanashot Talamdeni, Torah Shebechzav. Convert me, and I'm ready to accept Torah Shebechzav. And you'll teach me Torah Shebechzav. Good? Shammai's not interested. Kedarko. Right, the more of the letter of the law. He says, what are you talking about? You can't become Jewish by just accepting half the Torah. Torah Shebechsav? No. Not interested. The ger, the potential ger is not uh, turned off. He comes to Hillel. And he must have said the same condition. And he says, convert me. Okay, Hillel says, put his, puts his arm around him and says, sure, Yomakama Amarlay. Hillel then comes the first day and says, Aleph Beis Gimel Dalad. As I start teaching him Aleph Beis. Aleph Beis Gimel Dalad. Lamachar. Afechlay. And the next day, he switches it. He flips it. Does the opposite. Some say this means Dal Gimel Beis Aleph. Some say it means the last letters of the Aleph Beis. But he does something totally different. Amarlay. Yesterday you didn't tell me this. Is it Aleph Beis Gimel Dalad or is it the opposite? So Amarlay. Don't you rely on me? You've relied on me for, for, for the first day and the second day. So you see, it's impossible to have Torah Sheb Bichtav without Torah Sheb Alpeh. So, Alpeh Nami Smochalai. So obviously you see that you have to rely on me as well for the, for the Torah Sheb Alpeh. There's no continuation of the conversation here, but, Mr. He accepted Hillel. Hillel, the greatest teacher, the greatest way that we can teach students is to let the students come to, them by, come to it by itself. And that's exactly what Hillel did. He figured it out that you can't have Torah Shabbat without Torah Shabbat. Story number one. Story number two, as we have here, we're still in source number two, Shabbat Islam and Aleph. The first story about the Gera who only wanted Torah Shabbat. Second story, Shuv, line seven. Maisa benachri shamai. Story that a Nachri, a Nanju comes to Shammai, Amarle, Gaireni, Amanashal, Talamdeni, Kala, Torah, Kula, Kishani, Omid, Al-Regalachas. 
Teach me all of Torah, the most famous of the stories, while I'm standing on one leg. Regalachas. And what does it mean? Literally, that's what he says. If you were Shammai, what does he, what do you, what does he mean by it? Whether it's literal or figuratively. You have no idea what he means, but he obviously has a limited acceptance. So what happened? He pushes with the Amas Habinyan, the measurer, a bit like a ruler type of Kli. A lot of symbolism why he uses that. Not for now. And therefore he says, get out of here. I'm not interested. What are you on one foot? Well, that, that's the whole Torah. Balafnei Hillel, Hillel, Gairei. Converts him. Omar Lo, and he says to him, what's the one foot? What's the one message? Da'alech, Sunny. What is hated to you, do not do to your friend. Zuhi kala Torah kula. This is an entire Torah. The Mepharshim discuss why it doesn't just say the Pasuk in the positive. Why it only says the negative. What you don't want do to, done to yourself, do not do unto others. But that's the question. And says, Hilo, the rest of the Torah is commentary. Who? Zil gemar. Go study it. So we've discussed that Gemara in the Parsha's Kedoshim years uh, related to what does it mean one foot? Maybe it means Either way, that's the second story of the Ger. But the first two stories would not put this Gemara in Parsha's Tetzavashir. But it's the third story that makes it related to our Parsha. Line number 10. Shuv There was a non-Jew that was walking behind the shul. Vishama kol sofer, and he heard a sofer reading, writing a Torah, reading a Torah, which is already a Musar Haskel. How many times do we hear psukim and we're not inspired? This Naju is walking by the shul, he hears a pasuk, he's like, wow, that's awesome, that's amazing. Shahaya Omer, asher yasu, he hears the pasuk from this week's parsha, these are the begadim, choshen, ephod, Hulu, all the wonderful begadim of the Kohen Gadol, the four extra ones, Besides the four of the Kohen Hadyot. Omar. See, he peeks into the shul and he says, Halalalami. What? Well, whose clothing are you talking about there? Who wears that clothing? Amrulo, the Kohen Gadol. They say, oh, the high priest, the Kohen Gadol wears those clothing. Omar oso nachri ba'atzmo. The nachri says, wow, those are fancy clothes. Maybe I should become Jewish. Those are fancy clothes. The ultimate shalolishma conversion. Eilech. What does he say? I'm going to go convert. I want to be the Kohen Gadol. I want to wear those clothes. That sounds cool to wear this golden headband on your forehead to uh, to wear a breastplate with with magical stones on it. Wow. Okay, I'm going to go convert. I want to be the Kohen Gadol. Convert me. Amanas. I want to be the Kohen Gadol. And again. Shammai has the same reaction to this third individual. Pushes him away. Says, what are you talking about? You're not even Jewish, let alone not a Kohen. Forget it. But he didn't say, he didn't explain it to him. Comes in front of Hillel. Third time, Hillel converts him. So now, Hillel says, so you want to learn, right? So you got to start learning. Do you appoint a king to someone? Appoint somebody a king if they don't know all about what it's like to be a king? You got to go study. You got to go get a doctorate in Kohen Gadolhood. Right? Go study. So go study. It's like, okay, fine. Give me a chumash. Give me something. Give me a book. 
Halach Vakara. So he starts reading the halachas of what it's like to be a Kohen. Kivan Shehigiyah. Vahazar HaKarev Yumas. He gets to the Pasuk that says, if somebody who is not a Kohen does the Avod in the base of Migdash, they're Chayiv Misa. Amarle. He says, Hilo, can I ask you a question? Mikrazal Minemar. Who's this Pasuk referring to? Which, who's a czar? Who is a czar? A stranger. Amarle says, Hillel Afilu Al David Melech Yisrael. Even if David Amelech wants to do the Avoda, he's Chayiv Misa. David Amelech, Neims Miros Yisrael. David Amelech, what's wrong with him? Sorry, it's not in the family, it's not in the blood, you can't do it. Nasa Osoger, Kalvachomer Ba'atzmo. The convert thinks to himself, and what about me? Uma Yisrael Shenikru Banim Lamakom. If Jews, who already have that status of children, not just Avadim, and because of the love that he has for them, he's called, they are called, the firstborn of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and even about David, even about a born Jew, it says, Chayiv Misa, Ger Hakal, me, I don't have any schusavos. I don't have any lineage. I come with nothing, no background. I come with just my walking stick, my knapsack. Allah forget. If David Melech is Chayav Misa, then forget me. Again, he gets to it by himself. The greatest of teachers, Hillel was. He says, you answer. Like, like just parenthetically, like we have one of the fa- Gemara's talks spoken about this time of year. We have the Talmud of Shem Bayachoy in Mesechus Megillah. When they ask him why were B'nai Yisrael high of destruction in the times of Purim, what does he say? You answer. Right? He is also, you answer. So they come in front of the Ebola Shamai. So what happens after this Gare has this epiphany and he realizes, I guess, I can't be the Kohen Gadol, he goes back to Shammai. Oh my way. Klum Roy Anilios Kohen Gadol. He goes back to Shammai. Unusual. He didn't think Shammai knew the halacha. He goes, Shammai, I can't be the Kohen Gadol. Maybe he was upset. Why didn't Shammai just tell him that? Fine, you were upset at me. But just tell me then. I was being unreasonable. And he comes to Hillel. You should have many brachas. That you have brought me close under the Kanfeyashchina, meaning you brought me in and I realized it myself. And I realized the beauty, even though I will never be the Kohen Gadol. Adkan, the independent three stories quoted here in Shabbos. But then we have the last line. The third story, obviously, being the Tzavik connection. One time, all three of these Gerim got eating lunch together. Ech, uh, Amru. And they were talking. And they agreed with each other. Kapdanuso shel shamai bikshelotur danu mina olam. The kapdanus, the darkest dick, elements of shamai's personality, they would have thrown us away. They wanted to ruin what the, the potential that we had. An v'sanuso shel hillel kervanu tachas kan v'yashchina. But it was Hillel's attitude that allowed for us to be able to fulfill our potential to become what we become, Avde Hashem, in the full sense of the word. That's the Gemara.
Wonderful Gemara to repeat. The question is, ask the Ben Yoyada, ask the Ben Ishchai. Why was this, this statement about Shammai and Hillel only said after all three stories? What, the first ger in each, in the first story, or each ger in each of the stories, why didn't they just declare this? Well, they waited till they had, they had confirmation. They waited to express it to somebody who would understand them? Ask the Ben Yoyada. Why, why not after the first couple of stories? Kasha line number two. In source number three. It's as if it's only after they came together. And each one knew what happened to their friend. The, the friends, each one should have declared this and exclaimed this before. What? After all three stories, then we have this, this explanation. Says the Ben Yehoyada, it's Dafka. It's Dafka after all the stories. Ella, line 7. If each story would have occurred independently, then each individual could have said to themselves, maybe I'm just reading Shammai wrong. Maybe it was just a bad day. Maybe he saw something in me that he didn't like. Maybe there was individual behavior because of an individual case. He thought I wasn't committed. He thought I didn't really want it. We know even if the motivation might be warped, but if it's a proper commitment, we pass it as a good geirus. Maybe he was just really pushing me away to see if I would come back. Maybe that's what. I never went back to him. But, says the Gemara, says the Ben Yoyada, after the first one meets the other two, and he's like, he did it to you also? But I never went back to him. He should have realized that once you put somebody out, they're not coming back. Yes, we drive potential Gairam away. Yes, that is true. But in this case, would he have should he have done this all three times? Kivan Sherasha Rishon Asa Imokane. Velochazar Hayalochish Lasoskin Odapamimashani. The Koshakane. Achasharasha Asakin him shayim velochazru. So only after all three stories do we have a pattern of behavior. Once it's a pattern that's something that he has conditioned himself to become, and that's when the Gemara can declare that Shammai, the Kaptanuso shall Shammai, almost cause something, as in it's the Anvadasanuso shall Hillel. Again, in the positive, we can look at it as well. Hillel, it wasn't just a one-time event about Hillel. Hillel, one of the greatest leaders we've ever had. We know all the Talmidim, the 80 Talmidim the Gemara describes in Sukkah, or the 80 Talmidim of, of uh, that were described of Hillel, and Yonas and Benuziel, all the Talmud, Yonas and Zakai, right? All the uh, Hillel was the uh, was in that in that group, but Hillel worked on himself, and he conditioned himself to become who he became. It wasn't just a one-time event, just like the Ben Yoyada says it about Shammai. So we can say it about Hillel also, conditioned in terms of the patience, in terms of who he became, and Oev Shalom and Erodev Shalom, and that's why we have some. Amazing stories about Hillel more than almost everyone else. Not one of the most amazing personalities in all the Talmud. 
And it's not just Torah Bein Adam Lachaveru. We know Bein Adam He was on top of the roof when it started snowing, listening to the Torah. But this is Hillel, and this is Shammai, and this is the Gemara about the Ger who wanted to be the Kohen Gadol and wear the Begadim. So now let's get back into the actual Parshas Tetzav. So again, the Pasuk starts off, the Parsha starts off with the Havakas Neiros. Havakas Neiros, the first two Pesukim in the Parsha. The Atat Tetzavez B'nei Yisrael Hashem tells Moshe, Moshe, who, as we know, is not mentioned, even though tonight is his yard site, we'll mention, right? It's not a coincidence that Parsha Tetzaveh, when it's not a leap year, always falls out right around Parsha right around Zion Adar. It's always his birthday and his yard site. So we discuss it tonight. Moshe, command the Am Yisrael to take the oil and to be ma'ale the candle. The wick. By the Oal Moed, outside the Paroches, separating the Kodesh from the Kodesh Kadashim. That's where the menorah is set up. Night till morning, Machlokas Rishonim, was the menorah also lit by morning? Rashi says no. The Rambam says yes. If the menorah was not only lit at night, but it was lit in the morning, the Rambam says you don't need it for light. You need it for the symbolic nature. So the Rambam says he even lighted in the morning. Okay, Machlokas. <laughs> says the Medrash. Says the Medrash on this Pasuk. Beginning of source number four. Omar Knesset Yisrael HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Atameir Lo'olam. V'yatametzadeh utano l'halos ner tamid. I don't understand, says Am Yisrael. You light up the world. Hameir Lo'olam. You light up, what, what, what are we doing with our candles? You light up the world. Atom meir lo'olam. V'yatem etzavei otanu, and you're commanding us, l'halos near tamid, to light a candle? Ba'or chanir e'or. The Pesach we say when we put on the talus in the morning. Ba'or chanir or in your light we see or. V'yatem etzavei otanu l'hadlik. Amr HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem says yes. Chavivin alai haneros. Shemadlik Aaron, Yoser me Oros Shabashamayim. I love those little candles on earth more than the greatest luminaries in the heavens. What exactly is the message for us? What exactly is the reason that Akadish Baruch Hu looks at our little candles in an even greater fashion than he looks at the great creations that he made in heaven? Similarly, Says Reb Nissen Alpert, the second paragraph. Let me continue. Not only the menorah, but it's the entire Mishkan. The Amar. Moshe Rabbeinu was bothered. A house for you? What do you mean a house for you? Which, by the way, is always Tetzave, it's always read when it's not a leap year in Adar. Adur, the Sfasema says, I will live amongst you. It's always these parshias about the Mishkan. So how could we build you a house? Start building. Yes, that is what I want. Don't worry about it. I want this and you just do it. And B'nai Yisrael are commanded. So again, what exactly does Hashem want from us? He fills the whole world. What's the purpose of the Mishkan in general and the purpose of the candles specifically? 
And one final question. The first two are like the same. Another question. We know, we mentioned many times, the Machlokas Rishonim, whether Sefer Shmos is written in chronological order or not. The first half of the part of the Sefer is in chronological order. Through Mishpatim is good. But then we get the Truma Tetzaveh Kisisa Vayakabakute. And the Machlokas is, did the events in Kisisa take place before Truma and Tetzaveh or not? Says the Ramban, no. The Ramban says, and the Ramban, as he always tries to, unless he's forced to say this because the dates are given in the Torah, that's where he's forced to say, Ein but if not, he tries to say, it's right. And the Ramban says, Truma and Tetzaveh happened first, and then Kisisa. But Rashi, based on Chazal, say, no, Ein first comes the Egel. And only after the Egel did we get the Tzibli of the Mishkan. Right? Not beforehand. That's Rashi. So that we mentioned many times, but we've never dealt with the question of, so why is it written that way? Why isn't the Torah written in chronological order according to Rashi? He quotes Rashi and then he says on line 11, We know still why is it written? Yes, whenever we give a shot to something in the Torah, we could still always ask, why is it written this way? For example, when the Gemara says, Reuven really didn't do anything with Bilha. Or David really... But we always have to ask the question, so why did the Torah write it this way? There's still a message, even if we're not supposed to... So, fine, it didn't happen in this order. But why the Torah write it this way, in this order? Says the Limude Nisan, turning over in source number five. Ubebir hadvarim naniach. Kodem. She yesod ha yesod hu yesod habachira. The root of creation. The purpose of creation. And we have to constantly remind ourselves of this. Is is free choice, is making the right decisions. Making the decisions Hashem would want on a daily basis. In each situation we find ourselves in. Without this belief, as we know is one of the Animamins, ain't mitzvah, ain't onesh. This is the basis of what we live. Scharva onesh, bechirachavshis. And it's obvious. Ugadol gedulas ha'adam hu shezocha al yedei bechiraso achavshis lios obed Hashem ubazenis rome mimalachim sheimuchrachim lios osei dvaro human beings more than any other creature in the universe in the upper spheres more than the ten levels of malachim that Hashem created we can reach in an even higher level in a certain sense because Hashem's goal of creation is. To create a world and man making the choice. Making the choice that Hashem wants him to make. And that is why when we get basically our first post-Matan Torah national mitzvah. Carbon Pesach was the first national mitzvah. That was before. Post-Matan Torah was the first national mitzvah we get to do together. Building a mishkan. Building a Mishkan. Hashem wants that to come out of our Bechir Rechavshis. 
And even though it's not like the future Mishkan, whether the physical one's going to come down or just the spiritual one, we have to use physical raw materials. Still, Hashem wants us to build it. Because it shows that we're making choices and we want Him to be amongst us. Because as some of the piyutim that we have on, on the Kol Nidre night, beautiful piyutim that keep contrasting the Malachim and us. Melech Elyon, or oh, they talk about the goblets of the Malachim and the smallness of us. That's the tachlis of creation. For us to choose. Says it is an Alpler, maybe, his suggestion, maybe that's why the Torah puts the Mishkan before the Egel, even though the Mishkan was a reaction to the Egel according to Rashi. If the Ega would have been written first, maybe we would have understood that why do we? Why did we help build the Mishkan? Because we needed it and not so much because we wanted it. Chet Egel, we're finished, we're gone, Hashem's presence isn't here anymore. We can't go on. We need it. That, that might be true. But it's only true because we got ourselves into the situation. But if you just read the Torah, it goes from Harsinai to Hashem saying, anybody want to give donations here? Anybody interested? Yes, yes, yes. And we all give donations. So when we read it, the impression given is that we want it. And not so much that we need it. We do need it. Obviously, as the Bali Machshav explained, the highest level of Bechira is to reach the level that we don't have Bechira. That we have to follow what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to do. But that's maybe, says Rav Nissen Alpert, why the Torah wrote it this way. Separate from the sin. It's not only because we sinned. And that's what Hashem yearns for. Obviously, we sinned. Hashem could have or would have created the connection of the Mishkan before, without the Egel. But that's how history played out. Says Rav Nissen Alper, maybe that's the Medrash also. We say to Hashem, what do you need our little candles for? You light up the world. You have the sun and the moon and the stars and everything. Hashem says, I want your little candles. Because they're not doing it because they want to. I put them there. Okay, they're Mishabeach, Umafa'er, by following through. But your little candles have something that the sun doesn't have. And that's choosing. That's choosing. Line 13. And Aaron does it through his Bechira. That's the godless. That's the godless of it. Because it's done out of our own Bechira. It's not because we have. Okay, moving right along. Still on the first Pasuk. There's a lot to say on the first Pasuk. And not only on the first Pasuk, let's focus for a moment on the first word. Ve'ata. And you, we know the Balaturim points out already that Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned in the Parsha, as we mentioned earlier. But says the Klayakar, maybe there's another emphasis of the word Va'ata 
that clues us into another amazing facet of Moshe Rabbeinu's personality. His Nesham Shev and Aliyah. What's the viata? Just say. Right, uh, doesn't have to say viata. Viata lomer lecha. Shemitzad ma'isa ha'egel nisrachik aron k'moshen nifslu b'chare Yisrael. Umosha kerva b'tfilaso. An amazing ha'ara. Says the Klayakr, the great darshan from Prague. Viata, let's think about this for a minute. Remember... Remember why the firstborns, the firstborns lost their claim to do the avoda because of the egel. They lost it, and now we know Aaron Hakohen was part of that, but Aaron's still the Kohen Gadol. Viatalomalacha. Shemitzad ma'isa ha'egel nisrachik Aaron. Kamoshin nisalu b'chorei Yisrael. Aaron should have been thrown out as the Kohen Gadol. He took part in the Egel. Fine, the rest of the Levim didn't. And that's why they got it instead of the firstborns. But Aaron took part. Umoshe kervo betilaso. But Moshe davened for him. You can't do this to my brother. It wasn't his fault. He was forced. Uba Aaron is anaf Hashem ola hashmido. As Moshe reiterates in Dvarim, in Sefer Dvarim, when he's giving the repeat of Jewish history, Hashem got angry at my brother. And I davened for him. What did he daven for him? I davened that he keeps the Kahuna Gedola. Like he davened for Miriam. So only because Moshe davened did Aaron Keep his position. Nimsa. Shebaver Shekirva Moshe Elav. Alkain Nivchar Bishchus Moshe. Avay Bishagam Huaya Betoch Bnei Yisrael Ovdei HaEgel. It's still because of him. Says the Klayakar. That's the first Pasuk in our Parsha. Viata you. Because of you. Remember the Egel happened already. According to Rashi. Viata Hakri Velecha. Because of you. Go get Aaron Akohen and tell him to light the menorah. Because it's you Moshe Rabbeinu. Ba'avurecha. That's the Klayakar, but then it's one step deeper. Says the Rinas Yitzchak, Rav Yitzchak Saratskin, in source number seven. Says the Rinas Yitzchak, yes, Aaron was going to lose it in Moshe David, but go back a little bit more in history. Go back to Chazal in Parsha Shmos. Moshe's at the snap. And Moshe says, I don't want to go. And I don't want to go. And Hashem asks him five times. And Moshe finally gets Hashem upset. Enough already. I want you to go. And Hashem, Moshe keeps refusing. And what does Hashem say to Moshe? Moshe, you know what? Okay, fine. You don't want to do something? You were supposed to be the Kohen Gadol also. I'm giving that to your brother. You'll be the leader, but Aaron's going to be the Kohen Gadol. Moshe was supposed to be the Kohen Gadol. And he got it taken away from him. Now let's fast forward. Aaron Cohen just lost it. Who would have been the Kohen Gadol instead? Pashas would have returned to Moshe Rabbeinu. And yet he davened for his brother. And yet he said, no, it's his, I don't want it. The unbelievable, self-effacing humility of a younger brother. It, well, we wouldn't have faulted Moshe. It was supposed to be his. And he didn't want to go. And now Aaron lost it. Okay, so it's going back to me. No, that's not what Moshe would do. Nere, line three. 
Remember, Moshe was the Kohen Gadol during the week of the Shivasi Meami Luim. And it was removed from him earlier. The Nimsa line 7. Al Yidei Tvilas Moshe, Lakarim Aaron, Lakahuna. By Moshe davening, he lost his own schus. Ibein Moshe es Kunaso. Unbelievable. Moshe Rabbeinu not only gets his brother back, but he also, he also uh, gives it away from himself. And not only does he give it away, as Rabbi Simon mentions in his Sefer, he doesn't even put his own name in the Parsha where he's giving it back. Where he should, it should be back to him now. He gets it back to Aaron and he says, Hashem, Machenina Sifricha. And which parsha does he come out of? This parsha. This parsha, which is the parsha of choosing Aaron a Kohen. Moshe's Malbish them. Moshe makes Aaron into the Kohen Gadol on this parsha. So it starts off. The Kleyakra is beautiful because he says the entire parsha, the secret, is in the first word of the parsha. Because the first word of the parsha is why Aaron a Kohen keeps his job and the rest is history. That Kohanim come from Aaron and not from Moshe. It's all in that first word, and it doesn't even say Moshe's name. line seven now in the Imre Baruch. Lohuskar Lahoros to reflect Moshe was so self-effacing, so not focused on himself. As it was as if he was nothing. For Rak Dogness, Palbachalibo, he davened, he davened for uh, his brother. He didn't want his brother to be embarrassed. Rabbi Simon though continues and says there's a flip side to this. There's a flip side that we can look at based on the tour. The tour writes, also relating to the tour is the Balaturim, but he has the tour Torah, which is longer, longer than the Balaturim, which is just a little Haaris. The tour in his commentary writes. Why another reason why Moshe Rabbeinu's name was not mentioned? Looking at it from another perspective, Moshe Rabbeinu Aaron here. It's his parsha. It's his. He's the center of attention. So it would be a little bit of a slap in the face to mention Moshe's name in this parsha that is all about Aaron taking the position that really was earmarked for Moshe Rabbeinu. So the Torah does not want to step on Moshe's toes and therefore leaves his name out. So in a sense, Pshan number one is that Moshe is so focused on Aaron and he's so self-effacing and davening for him and making sure he's getting the, the, uh, his, the position. And on the other hand, you could also say just the opposite. The Torah doesn't write it because it's worried about Moshe's feelings. It's worried about Moshe not feeling bad. Line 13, or line 11, start. Moshe himself was totally nullifying himself. And he was very happy that Aaron was being this man. Al calls us still the Torah, Mitzidah. The Torah is a very careful and sensitive to Moshe Rabbeinu, and it doesn't want to put his name in this week's parsha. Okay, moving right along. It's a lot to talk about. Question. Now let's get to the main part of the parsha, the big day kahuna. 
What does the Torah tell us in Berachav Ches Pasuk Beis? V'yasiza big day kodesh laaron achicha lechavod lesefaris. Make the begadim, the holy begadim, lechavod lesefaris. And the pasuk continues and says, what is going to be the purpose? V'yasuas big day aaron lekadesho lechahanoli. These begadim will sanctify, will make these individuals very, very special. Make them sanctified. Good. That's what the Pesuk, that's what the Pasik tells us, the purpose of the Begadim. After Nesiva Shalom, a very, very interesting question. We know the Gemara tells us, he quotes it from Arachin, Tavtezayin, but we also have it in Mesech Hezvachim. Each of the Big Day Kahuna atone for a different Avera. Gemara tells us at the end of the ninth parak in, in Zvachim. And each one, you can basically figure out, almost all of them. The Mechnasayim or Mechaper for Gili Arayas. The pants. The mitznef is the hat is mechaper for gasus haruach. Right? The uh, swan is mechaper. The ktsones is mechaper for shvichas domim. Because the ktsones pastin, they dipped in blood by Yosef. All ser- pretty serious averis. Shvichas domim, giliarayas, avodazara, the eightfold is mechaper for avodazara. Serious averis. After the Sivish Shalom, wait a minute. I thought that the Pasuk says that the Big Day Kahuna are supposed to sanctify the Kohanim. Sanctify means like something extra special. Sanctification means like bring an atonement for them for murder? That's sanctifying them? That's just basic atonement. What does that mean? Lachan On the one hand, you have Chazam, this Gemara that tells us that the Begadim are there to wipe out Shvi Chazdamim, Avodah Gilearias, brazenness, and then the Pasuk says they're there to sanctify the Kohanim. That's not called sanctifying them. That's called being a basic human being. That's not sanctifying them super duper special. Say, ask the Slanim Rebbe, how do we put these two together? How do you put the Gemara along with the Pashtus, the Chazal? He also asked what's the connection to the menorah, but we're not going to focus on that right now. Feel free to, uh, well, maybe we'll say it quickly. But he also asked why is the menorah stuck in the beginning of Pashtus Tzave? Two psukim, you know, before the uh, discussion of the Big Tekahuna. Says the Nesiva Shalom, the secret is in a tosis. The secret is in a tosis. He quotes on line 17. Tosis and Arach and Adaf Tezayin. Which deals with this Gemara. Tosis says, don't think that what the Gemara is referring to when it says murder is murder. It doesn't mean Exonus Machaper for Shvichas Damim. We don't really think that their Kohanim or most of Klai Yisrael is involved in murder. But you know what it's referring to? It's what we might call the Jewish definition of murder. And that is, for example, embarrassing somebody in public. Mavayish Pnechaveru Barabim. It's the murders that don't really look like murders. That's what's being atoned for with the Big Day Kahuna, says Tosvis, line 20, Vahainu, she'ikar ha'kapara sh'al Day Kahuna e'na averis b'fo'al, ki'im al-derech kasus ha'ruch v'hiru ha'le v'azus ha'meitzah. It's being mechaper on the root midos, on the abizrayu, on the elements, the avak, not the actual averis. The actual Averis, that's not considered sanctity. That's basic human being. But to be a Jew, and especially to be a Kohen, 
You have to live, and we have to live a sanctified existence, which means not only refining ourselves in the areas of actual hardcore sins, but refining ourselves and perfecting ourselves in the areas of what we define as sins. That's what's added, and that's l'chahanoli. That's l'kadsho. Because that's what a Jew has to do. A Jew doesn't define Giliarias, Shvichas Domim, Avodizara, any of those. We don't define them like the world defines them. We have a larger definition of what Giliarias means. Even on a Daraisa level. Lo Galos is also Giliarias. And we don't have the same definition of murder as the world, the secular, medical, ethical world has out there. Everyone is a little different, and that makes us sanctified. And that's how you can put together the Chazal with and just one other Hosafa, and that is, the Nesiva Shalom asks, so what's the menorah doing at the beginning of the Parsha? The R of the menorah. So he gives one answer, but maybe we could suggest another one. And that is, maybe for us to realize and to recognize these deeper understandings of these sins, we need to have the R of the menorah, the R, the light of the Torah, the prism, the eyeglasses of the Torah to look through to be able to define these in the larger way that they can be defined. Because I think if I have the R menorah, if I view things through the eyes of Torah, then all of a sudden it's a much broader, much broader understanding of the same concept. And maybe that, therefore, is the lead-in. The menorah is the lead-in and the way that we're able to appreciate the sins of which the Big Tekahuna are machaper for. Okay, now something very special. This could be the first time in seven years that we have a picture on the sheets of the Parsha. So let's see what the picture is talking about. First we'll mention a Machokas. Machokas Rishonim. We'll have to wait till Mashiach to know who's, who we're going to paskin like. And then we'll get to the Yisot. We know one of the special Big Day Kahuna, Big Day Kohen Gadol, is the Me'il. Is the long coat of the Kohen Gadol made out of pure treles. That's a lot of snails. Pure treles. Whole coat. On the bottom of the coat, we know there was something. There were bells and there were pomegranates. What exactly did that look like? So the Pasuk tells us at the end of the discussion of the Me'il, what does it say? You should put on its hem on the edge, Rimone, pomegranates. Not real pomegranates, but in the shape of pomegranates. Around it. And And golden bells in them around it. What are we looking at? What does the bottom of the me'il look like? That is a machlokas between Rashi and the Ramban. Rashi says it's alternating. Pomegranate bell, pomegranate bell. That's Rashi, the top picture. Pomegranate bell. That's what it looks like. The Ramban does not like that based on one word in the text. Ufa'amone zahav 
bitocham. It doesn't say beinehem. Between them. It says in them. It says in them. Bitocham. The Pasuk describes the pomegranates and then says bells inside of them. So the Ramban, you see in the picture, has the pomegranate shape of the material and then the bell is inside. Says the Ramban in Source 11. Why do you make the bell separate? And if Rashi's right, so why didn't you just make them whole golden items? What do they lose for? Open. So Ramban says, I think one is inside the other. Okay. So why does Rashi say what he say? Rashi also knows Diktuk. Rashi also knows Bitocham. Right? So why, why would Rashi say what he says? maybe it's because of the continuation of the Pesukim. Rashi doesn't explain himself. But maybe it's in the continuation. Next Pasuk. Pasuk Lamed Dalet. Pa'amon Zahav V'Rimon. Pa'amon Zahav V'Rimon. Al Shulei HaMe'il Saviv. What does that sound like? Sounds like it's alternating. Pa'amon Zahav. And then you have a Rimon. And then you have a Pa'amon Zahav. And then you have a Rimon. Rashi says, Pa'amon Zahav V'Rimon at slow. Next to it, Rashi may be new of the possibility of the Ramban, but he didn't like it. And maybe not only Lamed Dalet is a raya to Rashi, but maybe even Pasuk Lamed Hay. V'haya al Aharon l'shares. Why does Aaron wear the Be'il? He wears it when he services Hashem. And here's the key phrase. V'nishma kolo bivo'o el kodesh The sound will be heard when he goes to the Kodesh. Lifnei Hashem, in front of Hashem, ubitseso velo yomus. Meaning, the me'il makes noise. Whenever the Kohen Gadol walks, whenever he moves, he's ringing. The bells are ringing. Says the Ksav Kabbalah, we'll get to his point in a minute, as Hashem inside, he says, according to the Ramban, it must have been a nace that, it, that you heard it. Because if it's surrounded by this material on the outside, then it shouldn't make too much noise. According to Rashi, it's a loose bell. So that makes sense. According to the Ramban, it must have been more of a nace. Says the Ksav Kabbalah. Okay, part one of our discussion. Machlokas, Rashi and the Ramban, what it looks like. But now let's focus on that phrase. What is the purpose of these bells? What is the purpose that the Kohen Gadol has to have these bells on him and the pomegranates on him? What's the purpose? So three ideas. Three ideas. Well, let's say four ideas. The first one, we're not going to mention tonight inside, as the Bali Musr point out. So, we are aware that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if, we, if every time we move, we're making noise, we're much more cognizant of our actions than if we don't have noise. So maybe it'll make us focus on our actions more. The Bali Musr go down that path. Okay, but now let's stick to the Rishonim. First, says the Ramban, the continuation, says the Ramban, it's symbolic. The bells are symbolic. Whenever the Kohen Gadol moves, He's making noise. Why? Says the Ramban in Source 12. Who al daiti be your mitzvah sapa'amonim? The fact that it says that the sound will be heard is explaining. Ki mipnei she'ein behem tsarech bilavisha v'ein derech ha'nechvadim la'asos lamkein Normal, noble clothing doesn't have bells on the bottom. So what is it here for? L'kach amar ki tziva bahem ba'avur she'ish makola ba'kodesh The sound should be heard. Why? Yikaneis lefnei adonav Ki'ilu birshus. It's as if 
The Kohen Gadol is knocking before he goes inside the Kodesh. Right? What are you going to knock on? Hashem, I'm coming! Right? So, he makes noise. The bells are sounding as if to give Kaviyachol. Hashem doesn't need a warning. But it's from our perspective. You don't go somewhere without knocking first. You don't barge in. So he's making noise as he's going in. He's not barging in. Because if you just go somewhere without being announced, you're Chayamisa. Look at the next two words. I never noticed this before. And how many times we read Parshas Tetzav in Parshas Zachar? Achashverosh makes it into the Ramban. Esther, going into Achashverosh, unannounced? Forget it, Chayav Misa. That was the danger. That's why the Kohen Gadol wears the bells. It's as if he's announcing himself. Number one. Number two, a second idea. Says Rabbeinu Bachai. Rabbeinu Bachai is a Talmud. He usually quotes the Ramban and expands upon him. So first he quotes, like the Ramban says on line three, Valim the Torah Derech Eretz. He usually has the Ramban's ideas in a little expanded way. And then his own. Like it says by Achashverosh, he quotes, Fine. Answer number one. Answer number two says the Rabbeinu Bachai, a remarkable thought. Od l'tam acher. K'day she'yivada hadavar so that everybody knows the Kohen Gadol is going in. What does that mean? Who's it for? And even though Hashem knows everything, and even though the angels also know what's going on on earth, He's basically asking the Malachim to leave. I, I'm coming in now, please make room for the human. Malachim, please. It's not really needed, as he said again. It's really that we should recognize that the Malachim are now leaving so we can have privacy with HaKadosh Baruch. That's why we make the noise. Please leave, I'm coming in now. The Malachim know about it. And the Malachim don't need the bells, as neither does Hashem. But it's for us we might understand this, to recognize that we're about to be alone with God. And everybody else is leaving. Reminds us of a thought we mentioned years ago from Rabbi Avram Shur, saying, explaining why we say Tzayscham L'Shalom. And then Shalom Aleichem. Some people say, oh, no, no, I don't want the Malachim to leave. No, it says, the Minog of Chai Yisrael, say Tzayscham L'Shalom. Right? If your father says Tzayscham L'Shalom, we should say Tzayscham L'Shalom. So what does it mean? Why do we want the Malachim to leave? Explains Rabbi Avram Shur, Parshas Vayigash, that we're saying to the Malachim, Okay, now it's just, now it's, it's, thank you for walking us home. Thank you for giving me the bracha that the table should be set next Shabbos. But now, it's time for me, for me to be alone with Hashem at the Shabbos table. So please, I'll see you later. Tzayscham l'shalom. Alone with God. And that's exactly what the pa'amonim, what these bells and pomegranates are shaking and begging next to each other. It's as if 
we are being alone with HaKadosh Baruch. Number two. And finally, number three, the third idea from the Ksav HaKabala is also a very interesting idea. Ksav HaKabala 13. V'daiti mitzvah pa'amonim hu domel mitzvah tzitzis. It's like tzitzis. What's the purpose of tzitzis? A reminder. A constant reminder on us of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The only difference is tzitzis is through the sense of re'iya, seeing, and the pa'amonim are through the sense of hearing, the sense of shemiyah. Why? Because the Kohen Gadol is the Kohen Gadol and we want him to have a higher standard, even more reminders. Right? Like the king needs two Torahs because he's the king and he needs two, he needs a higher standard. So these bells are like the tzitzes to remind us He's got to keep himself perfect. Even above other sharko on him. Besides the tzitzes, he also has the uh, the, the uh, bells. Interesting that tzitzes has tzitzes and the meal is all made out of tzitzes. Interesting connection. Through the hearing the bells, why he has these and who he's doing the avod in front of, etc. That is the Ksava Kabbalah, his idea relating to the Pa'amonim. Okay, one final thought on the Parsha and then a quick thought on Purim. And again, I will try. I will try, Ben Hashem, to, uh, to get in another shear on Monday night. Uh, next week to try to get in Kisisa and uh, and Purim as well. Next thought. If you look towards the end of the Parsha, Parachavtes, all the way at the end now. The second half of the Parsha we know is the um, the Avoda, the first Avoda that's done, that's in the, to try to be Mechanech the Mishkan, the special Kabbalists that are brought by Aaron and by his sons and Moshe Rabbeinu who is acting as the Kohen Gadol, Shiva Simeon So all the way at the end, we have Perachav Tas Pasuk Mem Gimel, right? What is the whole purpose? What's the whole purpose of everything we're doing here? Vino Adati Shama Livnei Yisrael. I will. What does No Adati mean? Vino Adati Shama. What does that mean? Unkelis Ve'ezamein Memri Tamon. Classic anti-anthropomorphic. He says, "I'll speak to you from there." Not that I'm going there. Ezamein. That's what. Whenever there's any anthropomorphism, Unkelis. You know, rejects it. But what is Noadati? Says Rashi. Esvaid imahem b'dibur. I will esvaid. What's an esvaid? Vaad, viud. Viud is a meeting. It's a private meeting. Esvaid imahem b'dibur, says Rashi. Kemelech hakoveya makom muad l'daber imavadav sham. Like a king who tells his servants, I'm making a meeting. Rav Salvechik the Rav writes in Misaris Arav, it's quoted there, it's from the, uh, again, obviously one of his other sparring, but it was put together now in the New Chumash. Va'ad is not just a meeting, but it's my, what we might call in English a rendezvous, which means a private meeting. A private meeting. It's not just a call a meeting of the board, right? Ten people, twenty people, right? The, that's a meeting. A rendezvous is much more private much more special, much more magical. But says Rev Salvechik, usually it only involves two people. 
That's the nature of being private. You have a rendezvous between two people and here you have it between Hashem and all of us. Says Rav Soveitchik, but that's the gobbles. Am Yisrael is a unit. Am Yisrael is not a group of people. Line 9. Classes Yisrael is not just a conglomerate, a crowd, a horde of many people. There can be no rendezvous between a multitude and an individual. A rendezvous involves the element of confidentiality, of privacy, something which cannot take place in the presence of many people. Hashem says, I'm going to have a rendezvous with you there. I'm going to have a private meeting with you there. That's a Jew, because a Jew always makes time for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's always ready. Last paragraph. A Jew is someone who has a rendezvous from time to time with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Jew will never delay the rendezvous. He will never break it. He'll never postpone it. He won't say, it's cold today. I'll put on tefillin tomorrow. No, a Jew says, I'm ready for it today. Because he knows HaKadosh Baruch Hu has that special relationship in the Beis HaMikdash with all of us as a unit, outside the Beis HaMikdash, which each of, with each of us as our own individual Hashgach HaPratah's connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the goal of the Mishkan, to bring down that Hashraz HaShchina and have Vishachanti B'Sof B'nei Yisrael V'Ayisi Lohem Lelokim, as it says in the following Pesukim. Okay, one final thought related to Purim, and uh, we might have mentioned this in other contexts. The story I think we did, but uh, it's worthy to mention again. V'gam Charvona Zocher Latov. The end of Shoshanas Yaakov. We should remember Charvona for the good. Why? What did Charvona do? Charvona was the one that told Achashverosh that, oh, he built a, Achashverosh already built a tree. Hang Haman on the tree he built for for Mordechai. Great idea. Charvona, one of the uh, servants of Achashverosh, gives that great advice, and therefore, he also gets a little bit of credit. The question is, Charvona, according to Chazal, really Elio Hanavi was there, dressed up as Charvona. So it wasn't really Charvona. So why are we giving Charvona the credit? It wasn't really him. Why does he get the credit? Right, the Medrash says, right, line 25, 26, it was Elio Anavi. So the answer given is based on a story. Story is told, it's in the Amain book also. Rav Chaim Ivalajan had a custom never to say a bracha unless there was somebody else there to say Amain to his bracha. I would assume... It was because you have better kavana when you, you can say, because a bracha is hushlam perfectly, but also, you have better kavana when you know somebody's listening. If somebody's listening to your bracha, I'm not going to mumble it. So, Baruch, I'm not going to be careful about it. So he had that custom. At one time, it was very late at night, it was one o'clock in the morning, he was learning in the base Nadish, and he was really thirsty. And, or he was in, this version has it, he was in his house. Lamaisa, he was somewhere and he was really thirsty, and he couldn't take a drink. All of a sudden, one of, the, one of his Talmudim walk in and says, Rabbi, I have, a, I have a question. He's like, oh, thank you for coming. Wonderful, fine. He answers his question and learning. Good. The next morning, he goes over to the Talmud of the base manager and says, I just want to thank you so much for coming last night. I was so thirsty and you know, I have this custom. The Talmud says, I don't know what you're talking about. I went to sleep early. I wasn't up the whole night. I didn't sleepwalk. I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't there. And when Chaim Ibn realizes that it was really a Malach that a Kaddish Baruch Hu sent, dressed up as his Talmud, in order to allow Chaim Ibn to take a drink. Unbelievable story. But there's a postscript. 
From then on, Reb Chaim Yivalajan gave this student a lot of covet. The question is why? It wasn't the student. It was the Malach dressed up like the student. Says Reb Chaim Yivalajan, if the Malach picked this student to dress up like, there must be somebody special about him. Why did he pick anybody else? He picked this student. If Eliyahu Navi picked Charvona to dress up like, Vagam Charvona Zachar Latov. Charvona also gets some credit because he is the one that was picked by HaKadosh Baruch. Okay, we should all be Zohar to a, uh, fulfill the mitzvah of Parsha Zohar this week, Kel Chasa, the most important laning of the year, mitzvah Daraisa, Chovas HaYachid, and Hashem, we'll try to meet again uh, one more time before Purim. Okay, we'll stop here.